Tonight's scripture reading will be 1 Timothy 4, 6, and 16. 1 Timothy 4, 6, and 16. If you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourishing in the words of faith and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. Verse 16. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Please allow me to take just a moment uh, to commend Evan Orr and the Lord's Supper meditations. I think that this is the first time that you've done this officially uh, since you recently became a Christian. What you did was simple and wonderful. And thank you, young brother. We appreciate that. Fifty different men of the congregation over the last three years have done Lord's Supper meditations and a few more are going to be asked in the very near future. We're grateful for that. It's been a special time. What does a good gospel preacher look like? What does a really good gospel preacher look like? I am convinced that we might have a number of different responses given to that question. But one thing is sure. It's God's idea of what a good gospel preacher looks like that counts the most. Amen, everybody? Amen. We all have our personal favorites as far as styles of presentation, delivery, communication, uh, things like that. But it's the kind of preacher that, God's want, that God wants that matters. Open your Bibles, first of all, to 1 Thessalonians 1 and verse 5. 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 5 give us what I like to call the three musketeers of Bible preaching. The three musketeers of preaching. Paul would write in 1 Thessalonians 1.5, Our gospel did not come to you in word only. The idea is this. In the original language, the term is logos, L-O-G-O-S. The word must be proclaimed. But more than the word must be proclaimed by gospel preachers. Nevertheless, but there must be more. Continue to look at the passage. Our gospel did not come to you in word only, but with much power, the Holy Spirit, and conviction. If you're looking for a gospel preacher, what is he saying? Is he proclaiming the word? Secondly, what about his emotions? What about his feelings? 
Is this individual really in to the things of God? Does he have a holy passion? Does he have an enthusiasm for the things that matter to God? And here's the idea with much power, the Holy Spirit and assurance or conviction. But that brings me to a third area. What about his character? There are churches throughout this area and this nation and indeed the whole world that might find somebody that can talk a good game and they might find someone that's passionate about some things, but they may be passionate about the wrong things and lack character and lack integrity. Notice what Paul goes on to say, this third musketeer of biblical preaching. As you know what manner of men we proved ourselves to be among you. So we are looking for a man of the word. We are looking for a man of compassion and feeling like Jesus He was moved with compassion, Matthew 9 and verse 36, Matthew 14, 14. So will gospel preachers be who truly honor God. But lastly, men of character and integrity and a high standard of trying to live in a way that pleases the Lord. When you think about the kind of preacher God wants, one can do no better than go to the book of 1 Timothy. Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4. And here in the middle of this book, there is an extensive treatment of the kind of preacher God wants. A lot of times people in the pew like it when preachers preach about preaching because you may feel that I'm not aiming for you, but I will say very quickly that many of the things in 1 Timothy chapter 4 apply to all Christians, but especially to those who would preach. The passage just read for us emphasized verse 6 and verse 16. 1 Timothy 4, 6 and 1 Timothy 4, 16 are the verses that unlock what the entire chapter is all about in 1 Timothy chapter 4. What do you mean by that, Mike? If you put the brethren in mind of these things, you shall be a good minister, nourished up in the words of the faith and the good doctrine whereunto you've attained. That's verse 6. And then you're to take heed to yourself and to your doctrine. For by so doing you will save not only yourself, but those who hear you. Verse 16. So, 1 Timothy 4 is all about qualities of a good preacher. It is about the kind of preacher God wants. I want you to know that in the 40 plus years that I have preached the gospel full time, No one has ever looked at 1 Timothy 4 as a template for the kind of preacher that God wants when I interviewed with them. For the life of me, I don't know why. They might bring up some of the things that are discussed in 1 Timothy chapter 4, 
but it would seem like the people of God should want a man of God that God himself would want. And 1 Timothy 4 describes that kind of man. Now, last Sunday evening, we looked at six qualities. I'm going to go over them quickly, but we're going to look at six more qualities of the kind of preacher that God wants. So 12 qualities in all. Let me quickly review the first six. Look at 1 Timothy 4, verse 6. An excellent preacher desires to be a good servant. That's 1 Timothy 4 and verse 6. An excellent preacher desires to be a good servant. Like everyone else, we long to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Matthew 25 and verse 21. That word good carries with it the idea of excellent or noble. There is a greatness and loftiness to the task of proclaiming the message of God. Into our hands the gospel is given. Number two. Again from verse 6, but also the preceding five verses of the chapter. Verse 6 begins, If you put the brethren in mind of these things. What things? The things presently under discussion. The opening five verses. An excellent preacher, ladies and gentlemen, warns people of error. Warns people of religious error. That's not all that a gospel preacher does. But certainly that is something that an excellent preacher is concerned about. Warning people of error. And verses 1 through 5 speak of various errors that afflicted the church and called it a falling from the faith, a departure from the faith. And a more wordy expression is apostasy occurring. A departure from the ways of God. Continue with me. Number three, an excellent preacher. This is again 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 6. Is an outstanding student of the word of God. Nourished up. He has fed his soul. Your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Psalm 119.11. Your word, the best possession, have I hid in my heart the best place that I might not sin against you. A glorious, good purpose. Nourished up in the words of the faith and the good doctrine whereunto you've attained. You have reached a point as a preacher of the word where the word of Christ dwells richly in you, Colossians 3.16, where you do not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, Matthew 4 and verse 4. This is the kind of individual that you want as a preacher, one who is an excellent student of the word of God. Continue with me. Number four, an excellent 
preacher avoids the influence of the unholy. Do you see that in verse 7? But avoid irreverent, silly myths. Avoid, shun them. That doesn't mean a preacher can never tell a joke. That doesn't mean that a preacher can't have a sense of humor. But it is all about avoiding what is irreverent and silly and untrue fables and focusing on what God says. When preachers preach, excellent preachers make clear what God says. They avoid irreverent, silly myths. God chose through the foolishness of preaching to save. 1 Corinthians 1, 18 through 25. Some people preach foolishness. But God chose through the foolishness of gospel preaching to save. Number five. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 4. Consider verses 7 and 8. An excellent preacher exercises, disciplines himself to greater godliness. Exercise yourself to godliness. For bodily exercise profits little, but godliness is profitable to all things. An excellent preacher sincerely and fervently prays, God, make me a preacher more like your son. Sometimes a conversation ensues among brethren, uh, occurs among brethren. Who's the best preacher in the brotherhood? I'll tell you who it is. The best preacher in the brotherhood is Jesus Christ, and nobody is even a close second. And everyone who has ever preached since then, including Paul and Peter and John and so many others, including giants that you may have heard, every single one of them may have preached the message of Jesus, but they didn't preach the message of Jesus quite the way that Jesus preached it. I believe the best preacher in the world today is probably preaching in a place that nobody, you know, really knows much about him. He's faithfully done the work of God, Steve Horton, for years maybe. And maybe people know him around the area, but he's not gotten worldwide acclaim and is not invited to all the lectureships and to all the workshops. He just faithfully goes about his work. And the reason I say that, Brother Clay, is that's exactly what our Lord did. And what an impact he ended up making. Exercise yourself to godliness. Now number next, number six. A gospel preacher, an excellent preacher, is committed to hard work. Verses 9 and 10. 
committed to labor and toil. And the idea is sometimes you are just exhausted and the phone rings and someone needs you for something and you take the time when you're spent, when you're tired and labored out to continue laboring. Sometimes there is a joy that comes by being really tired as a Christian. Maybe we get tired at a lot of things. Some people really find fulfillment in their job and it can be exhausting, but they love it. Uh, several folks here, especially some whose last name is Mayfield, like to play basketball or sports and you can find a lot of energy for it. And even when you're exhausted, you might be able to go one more game, huh, Will? We should love the work of the Lord so much, those of us who desire to be preachers, that we are willing to go one more round because it may help a soul draw closer to God. That's the first six. Six more. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 11. An excellent preacher teaches with authority. These things prescribe and teach. Both of those words are significant. The word prescribe occurs five times in 1 Timothy. Most of the time it is translated charge. Like in 1 Timothy 1 verse 3. Charge them to teach no other doctrine. You see, we are not the doctor. We are merely those folks that you take the prescriptions to. And all preachers do is fill the prescription, and we have no right to add to the prescription or take from the prescription. We can only proclaim and give out what is authorized. These things proclaim and teach. It's the basic word in the New Testament for teaching. What do we teach? We teach the will of God. Matthew 6 and verse 10. We teach the Word of God. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. We teach the Word of truth. 2 Timothy 2 and verse 15. So excellent preachers are delivery boys, so to speak, of the divine medication that can save souls and heal us. But we don't originate the medicine God does. We just give it out. And one more thing here. When you look at this passage, these things preach and teach with all authority. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 11. I say this humbly but as forcefully as I can. No preacher has the right to thunder out a message that's merely his own personal view or opinion. We have no right to thunder when we ought to whisper. 
And we have no right to whisper when we ought to thunder God's message. It's amazing to me how many people in the pew are very, very quick to thunder their opinions. But I can't blame y'all for it because you picked up on it a lot from those of us who preach. God help us to speak thunder when God thunders. But to speak quieter when we're giving our views and opinions. Verse 12. This should be number 8, correct? 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. An excellent preacher models that which is spiritual and godly. That does not mean the preacher is perfect. As someone who has known many preachers and studied preaching for all of my life, having preached my first sermon when I was 13, none of us have perfectly had the example that we should have desired. Let no one despise your youth, Paul writes to Timothy. Don't look down on this young man because he's a young man. Paul would write elsewhere of Timothy, I have no man like-minded who's able to minister to your state. Philippians chapter 2, 19 through 25. But be an example. Be an example of Jesus to those who believe. Be an example in what areas, Paul? In word. Every time our young people sing at Pew Packers, oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say, I think about that as a preacher. There's a father up above, and he's looking down in love. Be careful, little mouth, what you say. And we will give an account to the one who never ever misspoke, not one time, for every idle word. The same Jesus who said, by your words you will be justified and by your words you'll be condemned. Matthew 12, 34 through 37. Next. Be an example to them who believe in conduct, in manner of life. It is a word, Adam, that Peter is especially fond of. Conduct, conversation. It's a word that he'll use about ten times in First and Second Peter. But Paul does use the word as well. Your manner of life. Let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel. Philippians 1.27 That whether I come to see you or be absent, I hear of your state, that you stand fast with one spirit, with one soul, striving together for the faith of the gospel. An excellent preacher is an example in word, an example in conduct, an example in love. You see that there in 1 Timothy 4.12? To speak the truth in love, Ephesians 4.15. 
Let all be done in love, 1 Corinthians 16, 13, and 14. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal, 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3. The ability to speak and to speak well and to communicate minus love equals nothing. And excellent preachers better remember that if they want to be excellent in God's sight. An example in love, in faith. I've known gospel preachers that had a tremendous faith in God. Men like Johnny Ramsey, men like George Bailey, men like Wendell Winkler, and others that I heard through the years, men like Hugo McCord, to many of you those are just names, but to me they are men of tremendous faith, and it characterized their lives and their ministries. Roy Deaver. Lexus and others. Be an example to them that believe in purity, in holiness, in integrity of heart and life. Can this person keep a confidence? Is this an individual who would not think of entertaining long a lustful thought? Is this an individual who wants to be an example in financial dealings with others? Next. More could be said about verse 12, but I think I've said enough. Number 9, look at verse 13. An excellent preacher has a thoroughly biblical ministry. An excellent preacher has a thoroughly biblical ministry. What do you mean by that? Brother Mike, allow me to tell you. Give attention to. Some translations, some versions have be devoted to. And notice the three items that are mentioned in verse 13. Till I come, be devoted to, give attention to the reading. You might have the public reading of Scripture. That's fine. But literally the expression is the reading. Make sure God's Word is taken in by you and taken in by others. Secondly, to exhortation. Be devoted to exhortation. Yes, the error has got to be warned. False teaching needs to be confronted. But notice the remarkable balance of God's Word. The whole counsel of God requires, yes, it necessitates that we exhort and not just warn and not just deal with what is false. Some have almost made it their lifelong ministry to fight against error. Error must be fought against. But people need to be exhorted to. 
next. To reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Doctrine has fallen on rough times in many places. But I want to say this. I believe that there are younger families and younger people throughout this country and throughout our brotherhood that want book, chapter, verse preaching and they want to be encouraged to grow and they want to be steady, they want to be faithful. I have seen in my travels young families often with children still at home that are very, very concerned about being healthy. They want to be good parents with good marriages. And despite what some people say about the status of the church, I got a lot more confidence in God and in young people that have hearts like that to make a difference. So, a thoroughly biblical ministry, good preachers, excellent preachers seek to model principles like this, the reading, exhortation, doctrine. When we cease being interested in doctrine, we seek being interested in the instruction that comes from God. Next. It's number 10. An excellent preacher is absorbed in the work. The text says in verse 15, take pains. The idea is this, plan, prepare, strategize, practice. When our son David began working with the church near Corpus Christi, one of the first things I told him, you better plan your preaching and teaching and stay on top of that. And at this point in his ministry, he tries to plan three months ahead. And the reason why, and Adam can amen this, if you don't plan ahead, you're going to always be behind in preaching. Because things come up regularly. So take pains. It's work. It requires effort. But you better strategize. You better plan. That's what the passage is saying. And be absorbed in ministry. Where do you get that? The term literally means be immersed in the work of God. Be immersed in the work of God. So there's a second baptism that those of us who preach undergo. There's baptism into Christ for the remission of sins, and there's a baptism in His work. Remember Jesus said that He had a baptism to be baptized with, and it was a baptism of suffering. 
Baptism is immersing ourselves in His work, and it may involve suffering, but it will also involve incredible joys, amazing blessings. I got to be part of one just the other day. A young lady, Hannah Patton, who had grown up basically in this congregation, Troy and Sarah's oldest daughter got married to a wonderful Christian man on Friday. I got to do the ceremony. That type of immersion where you're involved in someone's life and a couple of 20-year-olds ask someone that's old enough to be their grandpa to come and do their wedding. That kind of thing encourages me it lights my fire still and several of you were there I don't know if I've ever been part of a happier more joyful and maybe even a little bit silly wedding but that's how those two are and I'm looking forward to seeing what God does in their lives immerse yourself in your work number 11 Look at verse 15. That your progress may be evident to all. An excellent preacher is constantly growing more and more. That your progress may be evident to all. A few years ago, we had Hiram Kemp here to do a gospel meeting, and he was only like 32 at the time, and had only been a Christian for a few years, and everybody was talking about this man's remarkable growth. His progress is evident, isn't it? Some of us who preach fall into the trap of getting to a certain point, and we never grow anymore. We coast. The passage says that your progress may be evident to all. Most of all to the good Lord. That your progress may be evident to all. Preachers that are excellent preachers should still get excited as we discover new things in God's Word. Even though we've studied so much, we're still amazed. And it is like we get to take a teaspoon to the ocean and drain it dry. We cannot. But because of the goodness and grace of God and the support of you people, we get to try. Praise God and thank you. Number 12. An excellent preacher pays attention to himself. That doesn't mean he's conceited. It doesn't mean he's proud. He pays attention to his manner of life and his walk with the Lord. Take heed to yourself and to your doctrine, the passage says. No one is an excellent preacher 
who doesn't think enough about their relationship with God. And at a very early point in training preachers, Bryce, one of the things I say to guys in schools of preaching is the sad fact is that many preachers have little to no relationship with God themselves. And they are trying to give out what they do not have to people who are starving. Be careful about yourself and your teaching. I don't want to do anything that will hurt the body of Christ. I don't want to do anything that would be bullying the bride of Jesus. I do not want to do anything that would get in the way of people being able to see Jesus, our Lord and Savior, more clearly. I do not want to in any way compromise what God says by thundering when I should whisper or whispering when I should thunder. Take heed to yourself and to your doctrine. And the conclusion of this chapter is amazing. For by doing so, you will save not only yourself, but those who hear you. Getting home to God matters to me. But I want to get Cherie home, our kids home, our grandkids home, and I want to encourage you to get home to God too. And I want to encourage everyone I possibly can by taking heed to myself and my own walk with God and to my teaching and whether it's really and truly from God I will save myself and those who hear me. I believe 1 Timothy 4 describes the kind of preacher that God wants. And I hope that that will be the kind of preacher that you always want to. On behalf of Adam and I, we thank you for your encouragement and support. We could not do what we do without your generosity and kindness. And we want to be better at what we do than we are. A special word of thanks also to the shepherds of this church, to Lynn and to Terry. I have never had to worry about one of the shepherds getting up and apologizing for the truth that I just preached. I thank God for that often. And while both of those men know me personally well enough to know some of my flaws, they have chosen to emphasize things that I try to do that are right. And I'm grateful. They have to look a little harder to find things that Adam does that's wrong.
But Adam normally gives it away because he looks like a six-year-old little boy that just got caught with his hand in the cookie jar. And I love him for that. He's a super co-worker. Thank you. But this is the kind of preacher that churches should look for. And then hold their hands up high. Let's go to God in prayer. God in heaven, thank you for this time to open your word and to be reminded once again of the kind of preachers you want in churches to help churches to be healthy and growing in grace and knowledge, growing in number, reaching out to the world and reaching out to our community. We pray that the number of real men of God would increase. And we pray for men like Bryce Mayfield and Weston Moses at Southwest. We pray for our young brother Corey in school at Bear Valley. We pray for our young brother Lindsay as he works in the Solomons. We pray not only for these men, but we pray for their wives. Thank you for godly women in the church. Thank you for children who love you. Thank you for the blessings that come our way when we truly seek to be men of God. Forgive us of our flaws, God. And help us to be more like Jesus. In His glorious name I pray. Amen. We're going to stand and sing our song of encouragement at this time. You're off the hook. But those of us who preach or have ever gotten in front of a group of people to teach, I hope you've responded already. Let's stand and sing. <laughs>